After further review, as this is one of Frank's favorite songs. Do not listen to him. <laughs> he is selling you snake oil. We don't sell snake oil, but we provide an entertaining and thought-provoking sports show on 88.3 WXUT. Saturdays from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. And sometimes we provide a life lesson. Ain't that right, Frank? Life lesson, my ass. Don't be a hater. And tune in to AFR Saturday mornings, 11 to 1 on WXUT. Fula. After further review, I'm Derek Lawson. It's the day after morning, almost, in Ohio, especially in northeastern Ohio, as I mentioned it earlier, as the Cavaliers get swept 108-85 and kind of laid down in the second half of the game. And they just went out with a pretty much a, a, a thud or more or less maybe like this. I would say like this. That's over there for Frank Bashner as we have the prices right. Losing horn. I thinking about this going through the show, it, it kinda got me wondering about I, I named this show Ego AFR. Uh it, it's been kinda crazy because we talked a little bit about Terrell Owens uh earlier in the show and about his, his egotistical ways and the NBA finals was kind of a a, a, a basically a look in the life about how sometimes there's a difference between teamwork and togetherness and individualism and egocentric people i mean the warriors pretty much handed it to them i mean the 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 Cavs had opportunities to win game one and three but it was just mistakes that just killed those guys and to be honest with you the 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 Cavs could have easily been up 2-1 in this series but they weren't, and they all had to basically, you know, de- you know, depend on one guy to actually win the championship for him, and that is just not going to happen. But then at the end of the day, though, people were feeling sorry for the Cavs. Some people were shocked that the Cavs got swept. I was kind of shocked that the Cavs got swept. I thought at least the way LeBron James was playing in the playoffs, they would get at least two games, and they, and they technically should have. They should have gotten game one, and game three, they should have gotten – when Steph Curry and uh, Clay Thompson had 10 and 11 points respectively, but they always dropped the ball. And uh, the Cavaliers now are going to be wondering, are they going to go from Vegas already has them down as 50 to one odds of winning the NBA championship, but they have the Lakers 12 to one odds. The Lakers didn't even make the playoffs. So that made me tell you a little bit about something. Uh, You listened to me last week on my little bit of my, uh, get thoughts and uh gathering of thoughts about what lebron james should do and but the thing about it is is that and even stephen a smith brought this up last night and i said the same thing you can't feel really bad for lebron james this was the roster that he wanted but to an extent i do kind of feel bad for lebron james because he shouldn't have been swept and he really did put his all in it but it was just a accumulation of just stupid stuff that happened and it, it shows you where once again, the difference between selflessness and selfishness—you're not gonna—you're gonna come up on the losing end if you're gonna be egocentric. Think about it. At the end of the series, 
Oh, by the way, LeBron James had a broken hand. <laughs> and I understand you were saying that, you know, that's not the reason why the Cavs lost. But then again, it came back down to the situation where, you know, the Warriors, you know, your hat's off to them. They won the championship, but it was almost like, well, LeBron James had a broken hand. It just went back to individualism. And this team right here is pretty much, you know, having a dynasty three out of four years, back-to-back champs. But once again, two guys, two rich guys that were egocentric, that wanted to show, you know, flex their muscle, put the Cavs in this position. Like I said, I think LeBron James is a totally talented NBA player. I would not put him in the GOAT category, though. I don't think he's better than Michael Jordan. Here's why. And I do understand people say, well, every statistical category and this and that. And he got his team to eight straight finals and he's been the nine. I mean, he's three and six, by the way. And, oh, well, it's not always about, you know, one minute people say it's all he's getting to the finals, but it's not always about wins in the finals. Here's my thing with LeBron James, and I, I tell people this all the time. I mean, he could have had a broken hand. But it seems like at times he doesn't step up to the challenges. And, and that, that was prominent in Game 3. Golden State was running through pick and, or was going through pick and rolls trying to get switches. Trying to get switch, switches through their screens. And, you know, Kevin Durant had 43 points. And he really was the closer in Game 3 in the fourth quarter. And he got a triple-double in the fourth quarter. And he basically got the finals MVP. Even though I think Stephen Curry might have been able to get the finals MVP this year. I think Kevin Durant had a really phenomenal game in game three. I mean, granted, he did have the triple-double in game four, but Steph, three out of the four games, played really well uh, for for the, the Golden State Warriors, and I think Kevin Durant had really two phenomenal games, so I would have gave the edge more to Steph Curry, but, you know, they gave it to Kevin Durant. But um, something that really confused me uh, at the end of game three was, and it was kind of troubling, was, Kevin Love, you know, they were trying to get through the switches, and when they would just do the switch, LeBron James just said, okay, you can switch. And it's like, well, you know that Kevin Love cannot cover Kevin Durant. It's tough. It's tough to cover him. And I just thought that, you know, he just switched too easily to be on Kevin Durant, and he just constantly watched the dude score. And I think Jordan, and I'm not saying that because I'm a Bulls fan, and I'm not saying it because I do like Jordan, but Jordan was the type of guy that was like, look, I know you're scoring, but if you're going to beat me, you're going to beat me at my best. And sometimes some players just get hot, and they start scoring, and you just going to shake their hand. Like, man, it was his night tonight, and he cooked us for 40-something points. But at the same time, though, you're going to earn those 40-something points on me if you're going to get them. But I'm going to make sure that I'm going to try to stop you, especially with the Cavs being down 2-0, knowing that if you go down 3-0, the series is pretty much over. And I think that was really deflating. Um, I think when times get rough, I just think that LeBron doesn't really step up, and then it starts to become the blame game, and these guys ain't doing what they're supposed to be doing. If you saw at the end of the bench against Golden State, he was over there yelling and screaming at him. He wasn't really being encouraging. He was just screaming at him. And you could tell that other players were tired of it. And you see why Kyrie Irving was tired of it. You know, all these guys are really talented. I'm sure all those guys are really, you know, going on their all and everything, trying to give their best. And LeBron James is pretty much, you know, making it seem like they're not they're worth nothing. But then again, like I said, this was the, the lineup that you wanted. And you got what you got. You wanted J.R. Smith. You wanted him to get paid. He got paid. You wanted Tristan Thompson to get paid. 
He got paid. He got eighty million dollars. I I I asked some people, what's the difference between Larry Nance Jr. and Tristan Thompson? Not really much of a difference, but yeah, one guy's getting really paid a large chunk of money, and Tristan Thompson didn't show much. I will give Tristan Thompson credit though. He when he did do the switches against Steph Curry, at least he stepped up and tried to at least stop him. But once again, if you look at the Golden State Warriors. You know, Kevin Durant taking a little bit less money to be on a championship team. Guys don't really care who's who's scoring. It's just it it, it turned into a, an ultimate team. Clay Thompson, ultimate team player. Draymond Green. I mean, these guys could get under your skin, but these guys are ultimate team players. And saying, you know what, we're gonna go out here and, and, and do it as a team. Their ownership, they know they're looking at the bigger picture. And, and and that's what where it, it it boils down to. The Golden State Warriors look at the bigger picture, while the Cleveland Cavaliers was pretty much the total definition. That it's all me. As I said before, I enjoy watching LeBron James. I think he's a very talented player. But after being swept in the finals and after the performance I saw in Game Three, I can't put him in the Jordan category. And he he'll probably get all the every single record. But you gotta understand, he'll probably play in the league for about twenty years. And he did start in the league in eighteen. But does LeBron James make his teammates better? I mean, he can pass. And the teams he goes to, he does elevate them. He's a great individual talent. But at the end of the day, though, you got to ask yourself, is he a guy that when he comes in there, does he really get you to give your all? I mean, think about it. Did he really raise the play of any of those players? Did he raise the play of George Hill? No. I mean, let's face it. We'll we'll we'll, we'll pretty much can go down to some of the players that did he that that played in this series. Did he raise the play of George Hill? That's a no. Did he raise the play of J.R. Smith? Actually, J.R. Smith's defense was so bad too. He gets the double horn. The guy was pretty much horrid. And LeBron James made a a key point in his uh, final press conference after the game, basically saying that he wants to get around cerebral cerebral players. And it was true. There was a lot of mental mistakes made by the Cleveland Cavaliers. But at the same time, though, I, I also throw this out to a lot of people. The Cleveland Cavaliers, mind you, LeBron James and them don't practice much. They do a lot of individual drills, but to save their legs, they don't really get to do a lot of practicing. Remember, this was a team that was pretty much put together in February after all the trades were made. And you're talking about trying to get chemistry, but you need chemistry on defense. But it always seemed like there was just not that chemistry on defense for these these guys. And it kind of seems like um, I, I, I tell people that, you know, you just you just don't they just didn't have it. It, it was just pretty much utter failure. I mean, you you also think about it. Did he really help the game of Larry Nance? Mm, He tried, but... Did he help out Kyle Korver? Kyle Korver struggled. I mean, he was an outside threat, but the Golden State Warriors made sure that he was not going to be hitting any threes. Rodney Hood came into the game. Uh, he did really well in game three, did pretty decent in game four. But then you ask yourself, okay, he had the problem where he refused to come into the game, and I understand that you gave him a lot of DMP CDs, do, did not play coach's decision. 
But at the same time, when you're playing against the Golden State Warriors, and you know how lethal they are and how much you, attention to detail that you need against them, and you need everybody on deck, why was he not playing? I mean, basically, Tyrone Lue, he gets this. I mean, I'm sorry. He had health problems and everything else and the stress with LeBron James. And think about it, too. LeBron James, every team that he's gone to, twice with the Cavs and once with the Heat, it always seemed like there was some drama. It always seemed like at the end of each run, people were stressed. You know, you could see it on their faces. I mean, they, people can tell you all types of different things and, and, and talk and say, well, you know, it was a great ride and he's a great player and he put us on his back. and da, 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 da. But you could just look at the body language of these guys. It was it was almost a tune out. I mean, he's over there, you know, trying to, you know, tell them what's going on, especially in that little rant he had. And guys were just like, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of this. And that's what happened with Kyrie Irving. He got tired of it. But. Tyron Lue was the guy that you wanted in there. David Blatt wasn't. So they fired him. They brought in Tyron Lue. And you won the championship. And like I said before earlier in this show, it's a battle of egos. LeBron James came back from Miami and Cleveland was like, we're going to do whatever you want, LeBron. And he said, I want this guy. I want this guy. Get rid of this coach. And you got what you wanted. You lost in 2015. But understandable, you didn't have love or Kyrie. You come back, you win. In 16, you're down 3-1. You come back, a great comeback, and you get a championship for Cleveland. Everything's all good. Then last season happens. You end up losing. And then I think that's where uh, Dan Gilbert stepped in and said, well, we did everything your way, and we lost. Now it's my turn to show show who who's boss. So you get rid of David Griffin. Why? I mean, I understand in Cleveland that Gilbert doesn't really sign, re-sign his GMs, but it didn't really make any sense. I mean, David Griffin was a heck of a GM and got got you to three straight finals and you got a championship out of it and you were going to be able to go to a fourth and possibly have a chance to win with Kyrie Irving. You bring in Kobe Altman. We all know how I what I think of Kobe Altman. Not much of a GM. I mean, congratulations, kiddo. You're, you're, you're a millionaire now and you probably have worked hard, but you were way in over your head. Well, let's face it. You 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 are not a championship GM. You're not a Danny Ainge. You're not a Griffin. You're not a Jerry West. You're just starting out. I mean, you pretty much brought an entry level guy coming to a, trying to be a championship contender. And look what the entry level stuff that you did. You traded Kyrie Irving for nothing. And I said that before earlier. You traded Kyrie Irving for a guy that had already. A bad hip. We already knew about it. And you traded him for an injured player. And yeah, granted, you got a draft pick. And you didn't know. Maybe possibly the draft pick could be a top three. But it isn't. It's the eighth pick. And it's been known in this draft. There's probably only four players that could be franchise-changing players in this draft. And you ain't going to be getting them at the eighth pick. Granted, you made some trades at the end of the season. And you made them look younger. But you still didn't do savvy enough like a Danny Ainge to maybe dump one of those contracts like J.R. Smith or Tristan Thompson. I thought it was almost laughable that they kind of catered to J.R. Smith because he was getting mad and upset because D-Wade was going to start earlier in the season. I, I get it. D-Wade, trust me, he's he's toward the end of his career. He is. I mean, it's the last hurrah. Um, But... Would you have rather taken D. Wade in the NBA Finals when it mattered most 
to J.R. Smith and that pretty much pathetic performance. That he had throughout the finals. I mean, I I pretty much would probably would have went with D Wade. At least with D Wade, you know, at least with D Wade, you would have got a flash or glimpse of something from him that would have said, you know what, he could at least got you two games. I mean, LeBron, think about it. LeBron James can get you to the finals. He can help you win possibly one or two games. But D Wade, with that playoff experience, and he'll show up once in a while. I mean, he's older, but he'll show up at least once in a while. Now, and he did it with the Heat. He showed that he can still get out there and get you at least 18 to 20. I mean, he only get it for you for two games out of a, a seven-game series. But, heck, that could be most important. That could change up the game plans. But they were ready to get rid of him because J.R. Smith was pouting and he wasn't getting any kind of production. I mean, the George Hill, I, I even said it too. Like, what are you getting George Hill for? Solid player, but that's not going to get you over the top. He missed the free throw to help ice the game for them. And then, you know, J.R. Smith got the rebound and then did something, you know, not really good. But like I said, it just, at the end of the day, was a bunch of a mess. That's why I hope LeBron James does leave Cleveland. It's 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 over. It's one of those messy relationships where you know at the end of the day, it's over. You know, I think it's good to start over. I mean, you got an entry-level GM and Kobe Altman. It's pretty evident. You know, start over. You know, just start over, have the eighth pick. I'm sure you can't get rid of the contracts. Just have LeBron come on out and start over and find a new guy. And then let LeBron James finish his career wherever he wants to finish it. Now, unfortunately for LeBron James in 2010, he, you know, he was going down to Miami already and, you know, going to be with a good team. This time it's going to have to be some dominoes falling for him um, if he wants to win championships. Now, if he wants to go in mogul mode, I probably will see him in L.A. Um, if he still wants to win maybe possible championships, maybe Philly would be a good spot for him. Maybe Houston. Maybe they could see what they can pull the strings. Could he even entice free agents to even come to Cleveland? I don't know. I think you know Cleveland's not always a, a destination spot for a lot of people. And not to mention, uh, a lot of people aren't going to be willi- willing to play with uh, under Dan Gilbert. So it'll be a, a interesting uh situation but uh basically i was a little disappointed the finals came down to a thud and unfortunately that's usually what happens uh i thought at least it could go to six you know i thought maybe the warriors could win in cleveland but at least in six but that didn't happen so the nba season is over um a lot of talk about over the summer to see what lebron does i won't be too excited about it though I, i'm not really into that kind of stuff okay wherever lebron goes he goes um you wish cleveland the best of luck but like i said it's just too much mess the owner doesn't get along with the star player the star player doesn't like the owner let's not fake it to make it i mean sometimes you have to but let's face it both guys have two big egos that can't sit in the same room and it's just not going to work and it's going to put more stress on players that are with that organization you put stress on your coach where he's actually had to take a leave of absence it's just a total mess So at the end of the day, the lesson learned, I think, in the NBA Finals is that team and selflessness will always win over individualism and egocentricism. I know that's kind of a word I just made up. Anyway, it's been a presentation of 88.3 WHT's After Further Review. Thanks to Frank Bashner and David Harris calling in. 
We'll be back next week, possibly in studio. But once again, always check us out on Saturdays, 11 to 1. And make sure you check out our podcast, too, on SoundCloud and on iTunes. I'm Derek Lawson. Peace. I'm out. See you next week.